Welcome to Things We Should Have Learned in Nursing School, where I fill the gap between what you learned in school and what you actually need to know to be successful as a nurse. I'm your host, Rachel Murray, RN, neonatal nurse practitioner, professional development trainer, and SoCal transplant who's a Midwesterner at heart. I'm so glad you're here. Now, grab some coffee, get out of those scrubs, and let's go. Hi everyone, welcome back. Thanks for being here with me for another week. So recently I was talking with a friend. She's not a nurse, but she is in healthcare. And she was talking about how she's feeling exhausted, overworked, she can't go on, which were her exact words, which sounds like a lot of nurses. So it reminded me of an exercise that I did in undergrad a long time ago. And we're going to start off today with that exercise. No matter Where you are or what you're doing, stop and please go grab a piece of paper and a pen, as long as it's safe for you to do so, of course. Now, if you're driving, you can still do this exercise, um, but you just won't write it down. So in a minute, I'm going to ask a question and have you answer it on that piece of paper and really take a second, actually pause the podcast to do this exercise. It'll only take about 30 seconds, maybe a minute at most, and then come back to it as soon as you're ready. All right, here's the question. Well, not so much a question, right? But on that page, please write down the five people in your life that are currently living that are the most important to you. Anyone goes, anybody currently living in your life that are the most important to you, the five people. And we're going to be specific with this question, meaning we're not going to put, you know, number one, parents, number two, kids, or number three, family actual names of people in every single column or in every single slot. And there's no ranking here, so don't worry about stressing yourself out with that. Like the t- the fifth person that you list can be equally as important as equally as important as the first person. So we're not ranking, just the top 5 currently living most important people to you in your life. Anybody goes. All right, pause the podcast, please go do that. Come back when you're ready. All right, everyone. Look at your list. Now here's my question. Did you put yourself on that list? If yes, that's amazing, well done. If not, why not? Did you think it was a trick question? That's actually what my friend's husband said and I kind of disagree. It's not really a trick question. I mean, I said anyone goes. You can put anyone on there that's currently living. So why, for most of us, do our brains not even consider the fact that we could be on that list. So about 20, yeah, I think it was probably about 20 years ago exactly, I had this exercise given to me when I was in my psych mental health rotation, my senior year of undergrad. I was sitting in a conference room one day. I think it was pre-clinical, but it could have been post, one of the two. And my professor had us do this, pull out a piece of paper, list the top five people in your life most important to you. And at the end of it, she asked the same question. Who in here put yourself on that list? And I was the only one in the room who had put myself. The only person. Now, at the time, I didn't really know what that meant. Like, oh, wait a minute, am I like actually super selfish? Well, no, the answer is no. But of course, that went through my head. Was I not supposed to? But there was sort of like a vague sense of pride that I had at the moment of like realizing this was probably a good thing. And that was about it. I didn't really go on to think a whole lot about it. But now, 20 years later, 
I have a much clearer idea of what the implications are of me having put myself on the list. And in a nutshell, what it means for me is this. I, after 20 years in healthcare, am not burned out. I've had a career of advocating for myself, saying yes when I want to, saying no when I don't want to, and choosing jobs slash schedules that really work for me. Now, a quick reminder, this is not to say that I don't help out sometimes, even if I don't really feel like it. Of course I do. Sometimes I'll work extra weekends if it really helps a colleague out, even though I I love my weekends. But overall, the price is never too high. I never sacrifice my own health or my well-being for somebody else's. And I think in the current climate of nursing, ensuring that you are one of the most important people to you is one of the keys to surviving. I don't think anyone here needs me to tell you how challenging nursing is these days, right? The workload has gotten crazy. Our healthcare system, in my opinion, is pretty broken. And nurses are often asked to work in such a way that covers up the injury, so to speak, to help compensate for a broken system. We're kind of part of a giant band-aid that's covering up the injury below. And it feels like a lot of decision makers tend to ask and answer questions like, how do I reduce costs? How do I increase revenue? Versus a better question, which might sound like, how do we increase revenue without increasing patient ratios? How do we reduce costs without decreasing the job satisfaction of our staff? Right? Those are much higher quality questions. And I don't know, well, and I literally don't know because I'm not in the room with the decision makers, but I don't know that they're asking those types of questions. So the effect of that is that they're just doing their job of cutting costs or they're just doing their job of increasing revenue. They're not taking the time to make sure that you have energy at the end of your day so that you can get to drinks with your friends or so that you can get home and spend quality time with your kids. They're not doing that. It's not necessarily their job to make sure that you feel good and fulfilled at the end of the day. So they're not making sure that happens. And I get it. Now, of course, this is not to say that their job isn't to create a safe working environment and, you know, all that good stuff. Of course it is. I mean, we could spend like hours talking about that, right? But still, at the end of their day, it's not their job to make sure that you have balance in your life and that you have fulfillment in and outside of work. So, of course, they're not making sure that happens. Now, fortunately, quick side note, there are some people working on the healthcare challenges in a really big way. In particular, I follow a woman named Rebecca Love on LinkedIn and the Commission for Nurse Reimbursement. Um, and to, to the extent that I understand it, Their goal is to end the nursing crisis through changing the way nursing services are reimbursed in our healthcare system. Apparently, nurses are the only healthcare professional that are are a cost to our system with the way it's currently set up. So of course, if uh, an administrator is trying to cut costs, you try to cut the nursing staff. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of it because I'm clinical, right? I'm bedside like all of you. So this is something that management probably knows a lot more about. 
But to me, this is insane. So the goal is to change the way that nurses are reimbursed. So there's more budget for, I would imagine, each nurse to get paid or for more nursing staff overall, and therefore to end the nursing crisis. So I'm very, very, very grateful that there are people who know a lot about this and are really having challenging conversations and are brave enough to kind of tackle the system. Um, So I'm following along and sincerely hope that they are successful. In the meantime, and regardless of if they are, aren't, or even if they are, the thing we always have to remember is still that our own happiness is our responsibility, right? Your health and wellness is your responsibility. It is your job and only your job. And when you don't have an inherent, deeply seated belief that you, that is to say your health and well-being is just as important as everyone else's, you might not be making sure that those things are happening. I know in healthcare, we talk a lot about nurses kind of caring more for their patients or taking better care of them as we do of ourselves. And I've just really never understood that concept. The idea of putting someone else's health before mine or even worse, at the expense of mine, has really never made sense to me. Because I think about health in a really global way. While, of course, as a nurse, we might simply be working on like, you know, one patient at a time, two patients at a time, maybe five, maybe six, maybe seven, something like that, right? But we're going into work and we're affecting the health and well-being of of those few people that we're working with at that day, to me, I still think about that's just me playing my part to support the overall goal of the nursing profession, which is health and well-being for all, right? I go to work, I round on however many patients I round on, that's me supporting the overall goal of health and well-being for all. That's the way I see it. So it doesn't make sense to me. It's never made sense to me that I would simply trade my health for someone else's. For example, why would I trade my mental health for someone else's physical health or trade my emotional health for someone else's physical or mental health? Our overall or my overall well-being for someone else's overall well-being because that just simply doesn't support the goal of health and well-being for all, right? We just trade trade one person's healthy, one person's less healthy, one person's health for another. So it's really never made sense to me, and therefore I've never really fallen trapped to working and providing care in such a way that that really does not support my well-being at the same time. And the thing that we need to remember, again, is it is up to you and only you to decide how much of yourself you will give to your job. And put in the context of a really challenging healthcare system, it is up to you to decide how much of yourself are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of your organization? Or how much are you willing to sacrifice to compensate for a broken system? And I really do mean that it's your decision. How many extra shifts per month will you work? How much more money will you work or will you need in order to make an extra shift worth it? What percentage of shifts are you willing to miss your lunch break or stay late? What patient ratios will you work in before the stress is just costing you too much? Those are decisions for you to make. And of course, we can't necessarily change the way the job looks, but of course, you can decide and move on to another position. Now, 
I, of course, recommend that our intentional decision is that you're not willing to sacrifice your health and well-being at all. But if you do, I hope that it is at least intentional rather than working yourself to death and then realizing it after the fact. And one of the things I'll also just mention quickly, you know, I'm talking a lot about health and well-being, but I do have it in my mind also that I don't let my career mess with my relationships in a way that is not healthy for me. Meaning there's a certain amount of time that I want to spend with my daughter. There's a certain amount of time that I want to spend with my husband. There's a certain amount of time that I want to go visit my family, my parents, my sisters, and all that good stuff. And so I really need to make sure that the job that I choose supports my relationships as well. Now, once you decide, it is, of course, up to you to uphold those boundaries, right? Your employer likely won't tiptoe around your boundaries. They may even try to kind of push them. I mean, I'm really fortunate that I've never had a manager who's done this. I've always had really amazing managers that are very supportive, but I think I'm lucky. (laughs) I've heard horror stories of some managers out there, right? They'll try to push your boundaries. And to some extent, I get it. I mean, think about the example of, say, a charge nurse or a supervisor trying to fill holes in a schedule, whoever's role it is at your organization to fill holes. Maybe they look at the upcoming shift and they realize they're down four nurses. So if it's their job to fill gaps in the schedule, then of course, they're going to ask you. And they're going to ask, and they're going to ask, and they're going to ask, because that is them doing their job. And now it's your job to decide and uphold your boundaries. So it's your job to either say yes or say no, or say, yes, I'll do it for for bonus pay, or yes, I'll do it if I can leave an hour early to make it to my daughter's recital, or whatever it might be, right? But it's their job to kind of come up against your boundaries, because they're doing their job of filling the holes, and then it's your job to uphold them. So my recommendations, if you didn't list yourself, really think about it. Why didn't you? Did you simply just not think that it was possible, that it just wasn't an answer that was acceptable? And if so, that's kind of a societal issue too. I think like it's just an odd thing that it would be so weird to us, to most of us, to think about listing ourselves. Um, did you intentionally not put yourself on there because you intentionally don't think of yourself as as important as others? Or what is the reason, right? Just look at it. What is the reason why you didn't put yourself on that list? And how is it manifesting in your life? Are you currently in a role that doesn't quite gel with what works for you? And what would it take for you to deliberately and consistently shift your thinking and shift your actions to align with the idea that your health and well-being is equally important? The next thing I would recommend is make sure when you start a job that you know exactly what is required for your job and what is not, so you know what is extra. So things like, what are the state laws of patient ratios, which Unless you're in California, I don't necessarily think you have one, unfortunately, but that's a good thing to know. What are your laws for clocking out when you don't have a lunch? Um, How many weekends per year are you allowed to ask off? I know that was a big one for me when I first started. We got so much PTO, and then we could only take off X number of weekends per year. And it kind of drove me crazy because the weekends were when I wanted off, but that was the way it was. 
what might be the rules or flexibility around splitting shifts? Is that an option if you need to do that with someone? Just figure out what exactly the expectations and the rules are and know what's extra. Oh, another one is, do you have to attend all of your staff meetings? If so, do you get paid for them? What's extra? How many per year do you have to be there for? Right? Those things are just really good to know so that if a if an ask, so to speak, is coming up against the boundary, you know if it's just a request or if it's a requirement. And then really intentionally decide what your boundaries are. So that's the third thing, right? So number one, if you didn't list yourself, ask yourself a few questions. Why Why not? How is that manifesting in your life? Number two, make sure you know exactly what is required for your job and what is not. And number three, intentionally decide what your boundaries are. And then of course, number four, it is up to you to uphold them. I'll give you an example. Um, I've got a lot of examples actually coming to mind, but one is that I recognized years ago that 12-hour shifts did not work for me. So I did them as a nurse, you know, for my whole nursing career. And then I, when I flipped into becoming a nurse practitioner, I had 10-hour days. There's more to the schedule than that, but the schedule was just beautiful, beautiful. And there was a time when my team debated switching from what we had to 12 hours. And I like adamantly argued against it, but I lost. And so we switched to 12 hour shifts and my quality of life instantly went down. A lot of the activities and the groups and the clubs and things that I was a part of, I suddenly couldn't be a part of anymore. And it really shifted my work-life balance. And so I made a promise to myself then and there that I would never work a job that had 12 hour shifts. And I have upheld that since. I've been offered jobs that were otherwise very attractive. I've been asked to do 12-hour shifts from here or there. And every single time, I just simply say no. So remember, it's your health and well-being is your responsibility. It's up to you. It's not the responsibility of your charge nurse, your manager, your supervisor, the administrators, the CNO, the CEO, the CMO, right? It's just not anybody else's job. Now, I sincerely hope that healthcare gets to a place where we don't have to advocate so much for ourselves. I sincerely hope that we get there. And I really believe that we will. I think it'll be clunky and probably messy. But we'll get there. Either way, whether we do or we don't, we have to remember that our health and well-being is our responsibility. And can you imagine what the nursing profession would look like or could look like if we collectively all knew how to value our own health and well-being as much as someone else's? It would just be such a beautiful thing. And there's so much beauty in this profession. The problem is it gets hard to see the beauty with eyes that are so tired that they won't even stay open. All right, everyone, that's what I've got for you this week. I hope you have a lovely week filled with doing exactly the things that you want to do and not doing the things that you don't want to do. And I'll see you all next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Things We Should Have Learned in Nursing School. If you found this episode helpful, please return the love by rating the show. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. As always, I'd love to hear your comments, questions, or topic requests. You can email me at rachel at elevatenurses.com. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L at elevatenurses.com. I'll talk to you all next week.